I'm at the Red House with <laughs> my old, old friend, Matthew Alavado. Cheers. Thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Absolutely. I had to do my one-year episode recently hmm. and uh, did a Q&A. One of the questions was, who is your best friend? And I had to go through a list of a bunch of people. And I was like, well, there's John and Kike. There's my cousin Caleb and one of my oldest friends in the world, Matt Alavedo, the person who... <laughs> person who I grew up with learned how to I said learn how to rollerblade fight and cuss with <laughs> <laughs> man you're taking it back yeah taking, taking it, it all way the way back, back. <laughs> I sometimes I forget how long we've known one another yeah because that would have been 20 20 years I guess I guess maybe I mean I was in I was in uh fifth grade I think when we met Oh, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I can I can I quit this? Can we stop? <laughs> can we cut the t- anytime you want, man? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's bizarre going through these ages. Um, you and I have always. I think we should have like a like a warning bar at the bottom. How existential this might get. Yeah. But, uh, the different variety of people that we become throughout our years it's it's it has to happen jesus christ yeah um we've seen each other be so many things by now yeah it's crazy but isn't that um isn't that kind of endearing in a way oh yeah how i i see this with certain people in my life how you can go several years without seeing someone. They've completely changed, but you're so excited to see someone. And I and I definitely see that with you. And God, we've been in arguments. <laughs> you and I have... Yeah, it's it's not like we've just skated and, and ignored them. But at the same time, it's just like, I, you choose that. Yeah. And that's endearing to me. Absolutely. You're one of two people I've punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and... It, I think you are probably one of very few people that have punched me in the face too. So yeah, uh, that's endearing, you know, just the history. <laughs> and we're here right now. I, I remember, I mean like, so we started out on a school bus and I just remember you were like the funniest guy on the bus. And every morning I was just like, Jesus, he is so fucking funny. Like, and we would, we would quote rush hour two all God. the time. What a fish. Was it gefilter or fish? Gefilter fish. But anyway. Um, and then I didn't see you for a while after I left that neighborhood. And then I remember seeing you at the movies once and I was like, oh my God, like it's Matt. And every time I would run into you, I was it was that exciting thing. And it was always like we were um we were different people at different times. And then when we kind of really started to bond as like new adults. Yeah. We had both kind of recently found music. We we're both really starting to lean into it. Yeah. We're becoming kind individual. of really becoming that. Yeah. I, I, something I've, I've kind of adopted recently is trusting your gut and life is hard regardless of, you know, every single person has so many, all so many stories that they can tell or, uh, What's the right phrase? Like, uh, sweep under the rug of, oh, my life is hard, so this is happening. But if you lean into the the gut feeling of it, 
you will always meet the the person you prefer to be around in the middle. And I've always seen that in you. Mm. Um, Man, that's uh, really nice to hear you say that. I mean it. I mean it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And I mean, what other choice do you have? <laughs> you can resent someone. You can just hold on to it. You can. But why? Why not just enjoy it? Uh, and I remember, uh, health. Something's coming to my mind. Healthy camaraderie. Mm, yeah. Or healthy um, competitiveness yeah. that you and I have shared. I. We for context of everyone else, you and I learned how to play music in this coffee shop. It was a terrible coffee shop. <laughs> now was, that we think about it. Was it was so terrible. <laughs> now, I, I work in coffee. It was God awful, but it was also magical. Yeah. It was a magical place and a magical time. And we had this nebulous relationship that we never even really spoke about in the like because we were kids we didn't have much context to how to like talk about those things um we were learning how to play guitar we were learning how to songwrite but also it was a like a open mic situation so we would sharpen each other Mm -hmm. and then after that was done we would talk about it and that's it was organic and it worked and it sharpened me for sure it did me too i mean that was that was both our cutting at the teeth and even after those open mic nights, which was back in the day, that was like our, the thing we looked forward to all week or whatever, every Wednesday or Thursday, depending on the time, you know, like depending, there was a time where I think they were on one night or the other. Anyway, depending on, oh, sorry, every week, that was like the night of the week that we kind of looked forward to and planned ahead for. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we'd go play more music at yeah. like the after party at our friend's house. Yeah. The sunrise bungalow. The sunrise bungalow. Mm. <laughs> For hours. For yeah, man. Hours and hours and hours. Music was our whole life then. And it was an, another thing that's interesting about that is that we both, yeah, there was, there were competitive times. And I remember what that was like. We, we really shared all of our first shows together mm-hmm. and we like started navigating into Winston together and then, and then, yeah, like, uh, amongst the crankies and garage shows, like I think people really, I, re- I remember when I talked to Tucker, he talked about how Richard told him about the King guys or whatever, like the King boys. And it was like, I feel like the Tyler nail thing and the genuine thing kind of started blossoming simultaneously. Yeah. Like we kind of just. We we really were a big uh, we were not a big we were what am I trying to say we were a part of the same movement in the local scene that like ended up being kind of a noticeable wave like people yeah. really started kind of lifting to the top from that and like like the scene changed at the same time that you and I were kind of finding our footing. That makes me th- want to ask you a question. Um, were you conscious of that when that was happening? Like the. Uh yeah, I completely agree with everything what you're saying. Were you conscious of this is a leading question, but were you conscious of how you were being portrayed in the society? Like coming from a very small place where the music was, you know, we were all young, but we all felt it. Um were you just doing it for this art's sake? 
and just having having it like grow from there? Man, that's a great question. I remember once I did a show at the CAC and the CAC, yes, it um was the community arts cafe. It was a cafe. That's right, in the basement. In the basement that's underneath right. what is canteen now or whatever. I never called it that in my The CAC? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't do acronyms. Yeah. I'm a millennial, so I don't <laughs> I don't I don't fuck with acronyms. <laughs> I remember playing a show there and Cameron Kent was a host for some reason. And he said WXIR. Yeah, yeah. He asked me like What oh. a hero. He he said something like, Oh, you you could have done like I'm sure I'm sure some people in the audience wonder why you're not famous or something weird like that. And I was like, This is why I remember answering him and saying, you know, I just want to like make a living doing what I love. And then like the audience applauded that. And I remember this good feeling that came over me feeling like, wow, like they responded to that. And I remember feeling like I knew I was lying. I knew that I didn't want to just make a humble, modest living doing what I love. I knew that I wanted, uh, I was like more ambitious than that. Yeah. But I was kind of like taking the I was taking the 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 glory of of that of, of people responding positively to that uh, I think that to answer your question I was in this weird I've been in this state of mind where I thought that acknowledging large ambition somehow made me seem less less art-minded or less uh noble and I think I've denied myself the honest fact of some of my larger ambitions mm. what about you i've always been an ambitious 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 person and uh i as a young adult you you're never really given a unless you have a, an extremely great mentor you don't really have a a role model to do it healthfully. Um, so you kind of fill in the gaps. I've always been a courageous person. I've never shied away from taking huge risks, getting my heart broken and then repairing them. Um, and some people call that confidence, Mm. but I just call it stubbornness. And I don't know. I, I yeah. Once again, I I think that I have huge ambitions. I'm also a realist. I guess after being beaten down so much, you kind of have to at least put a check on reality. Otherwise, you'll drive yourself crazy. Um. My initial. It was easy when it was just me. You know, when you and I first met, writing music, it was just me you bring people into the fold. I met, uh, Kate, uh, who later became my wife and she lit my life on fire. You know, like it was, it was great. Uh, which then brought Devin Forkel into my life who we kind of coalesced the genuine together. And it was, it was something that I, I was, it was foreign, but it felt right. And, a lot of times I had to work really hard to create stuff, but at the same time, it just, it felt correct. Uh, 
as time kind of went on, we kind of went through trials and tribulations like every creative mind does. And it, it kind of morphed itself into like a pattern and a function. But my, my anticipations or my expectations of what we should become was always driving the car. I don't inherently see that as a bad thing. I, I don't think that the expectations is a like shoot high because of, well, what's what's the consequence? Mm-hmm. The consequence is you fail or you know you let someone else down, and that's yeah, man. I I don't regret shooting. I. If anything, I regret not having a mentor. Mm. And not not to sound too sappy, but like I kind of see you as a mentor. Shit. Seriously. And that that's I'm not trying to pump you up. Well, what's interesting about you saying that is it seems like we went in different directions at that time. Like yeah. uh kind of like when we really started doing a lot in Winston. And I felt like I, like I remember starting to feel like um like you were surpassing me with the genuine or whatever as far as my reach interesting and it's funny because like I went the route of I'm gonna try to just tackle the road as close to full time as possible mm. but really not uh, like that's my strategy and it seemed like the genuine strategy was like we're gonna make really banging looking content and record really good sounding songs and like do the band building up thing and it sounds like we we both had we both chose a piece that was functional different models different models and yeah. like you built up really good products and i did reach a lot of venues or whatever but um i think i mean i i think it's safe to say both of us still find ourselves wishing that we could just like manage to accomplish more in that in that space in our lives that's so cool hearing you say that i d- yeah i man <clears throat> I wish I was an adult when I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, I think Mark Twain said that that uh, or was it him? I don't know. Somebody said that that it's a shame that youth is wasted on the young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because communication, man. Like we we didn't have the capacity to talk in that regard. No. And I doubt even if we had the ability to speak about it, we would be able to comprehend one another. You know, <laughs> let alone. Uh, no, I man, it's just darts at a dartboard at that age. Yeah. I, I had no clue what I was doing. I just knew that I felt a certain way when I created a, a piece of work, especially the dynamic of having a partner in the band mm. and then also eventually becoming a, a, like a married couple with a lifelong friend. Um, Devin was was yeah they, he had known Kate for since there was a video that Kate has where our drummer and Kate were I don't know three years old two years old <laughs> wow something like that wow you know, one of those shaky VHS tapes and it's just like it's so bizarre to, to understand yeah, how much amazing. time has gone by <laughs> and how how much your life can kind of dictate that but uh <laughs> <clears throat> and you're choosing to, yeah, continue that relationship. Man, uh, we used to be babies. 
I just came out with this beard. Yeah. <laughs> I just stepped on out and I was like, let's do it. Forget about it. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you trying to, you trying to say something? I don't know. <laughs> For those in the audience, I'm Italian <laughs> partially. And, uh, and I'm like, no complain though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't speak Spanish, Tyler. <laughs> Sadly, I don't either. <laughs> I wish I did. Um, yeah, man, uh, the genuine. Another vivid memory, I guess I have of that, like of what you guys were and what y'all accomplished. That little, the promo video, the, the shows y'all did, the shows y'all did, the uh, best folk and New Year's shows were like staple. I mean, like this was, this was when the garage was popping off. When yeah. one of both of us had shows there regularly yeah. at different points, at different different nights every month or what whatever. A, what a magical place. Magical place. Magical crew of people. Like yeah. we were all young and, and like Tucker loved us and everything was cool. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so you got like one thing y'all did different with that show was for a lot of us. It was like Tucker would be like, hey, there's this band playing like I need you will you play with them and I'd look at them and I'd be like Jesus Christ like this band is so weird but sure and sometimes they sometimes they were bummed that I was playing with them or sometimes it was a nice match you know different different weird nights like that but what you you got I I I tried once with um the gallery hop nights Art, oh yeah Music gallery? Yeah, when you set the frame up yeah. in, the, in the stage. Yeah, music gallery was, was interesting, but it, it just didn't pop off. But those, anyway, the point being, what was cool about, what was really cool about the Best Folk and New Year's thing was how locally locally focused it was and mm-hmm. how detailed it was that you guys really curated every point of it, like you, the, the balloons and like the deck, the decor and the inside jokes and stuff, yeah. the booking, like... The promo stuff that you guys did, like you treated that thing with seriousness. You treated it with, and you treated it with seriousness, and that was something that seemed to be consistent with the genuine. Like your shows were treated with a dignity or something that you were like, "I'm, I'm, we're gonna make this look good and sound good and all this shit," you know? Yeah, I will not take credit for that. Uh, I will give credit for for Kate and Devin because I. My my mind goes a thousand different directions way too fast, and mm. they, they I, mainly Devin, I would say, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, yeah, he the, cultivation was the the primary focus of those entire shows, and it wasn't like a it wasn't a selfless act; it was just enjoying the moment. We would always pick one or two covers each year because we did it five years consecutively. Wow. Um. And these these are my favorite moments I've ever ever had performing. It's it was electric, and you shared in one two of, of them. Two of them. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I did the one two. with Charlie, oh, God, and then yeah. I did the last one. Yeah, and that last one was God. <laughs> I I would happily pay a large amount of money to be able to redo that night. Yeah, I would too. And it, man, it's weird. It's it's weird how those moments are so fleeting. But I crowd surfed for the first time. That was phenomenal. <laughs> I had somebody grab my balls. Yep, that's that what was they're phenomenal. There for. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it was great. No idea who it was. <laughs> it's fine. It was great. Uh, and just, yeah, man, there's, there's like a weird spontaneity and, and chaos to the garage. And I hate that some of the younger kids now don't get to witness it. Yeah. And I also hate how un- unsustainable that meant like the, the live, live music venue is, you know, it's a losing game. Someone has to care a whole lot, put a lot of money into it, and then inevitably fail because of the way that the music is being digested in today's society. Yep, that's the truth. And there's no one even to blame about it. I mean, you could point a finger at uh, social media if you wanted, or it's just a trend. I saw saw something alarming that somebody... um, in a in a business pitch about pretty much since the since the introduction of smartphones that our traditions for things that make us happy have steadily declined like rapidly and i think music music as a form of that music as a part of entertainment in that category is a part of that uh i think our i mean like i this sounds it sounds weird to say but like i have times when i as a music lover, as somebody who's just like my, my identity was built around music since I was a little kid. I get super bored with music compared to this device that is like this unending addiction to, uh, of just like something, probably some stupid dopamine sense or sensor or some, some stupid shit. But I have moments where I have to remind myself to be focused on music. And that's, it seems like a bad sign. What year were you born? 89. God, what a good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was one year old, so it's not a big deal. I like to tell people about the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's going to show our age just talking about this in any kind of facet. But millennials have an interesting dichotomy. Mm. And I think that as far as attention goes, speaking from a point of like not having great attention or whatever label you want to add to that, like ADHD or neurodivergent. I don't know, whatever you'd choose. Um, our generation got to experience life before the internet. Yeah. And I remember vividly feeling particular ways about video games, about books, about cell phones or phone conversations and all of those things were so much more tangible because of the lack of distraction. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, it's kind of primitive to think, but it's, it's so real. The amount of information that comes at us so often. I was in New York last week, last week, excuse me. And every time I got on the street, I put my headphones in because I had to, uh, having somewhat anxiety issues it's it's too much like there's too many things coming at you at all different angles and i think music is the same way where we have countless ways of of taking in information for good and bad so if you're even attuned to hey i want to listen to something i want to find something new you you get shotgunned from every direction you know commercials ads 
or even if it's like a person sending you a text message, oh shit, I forgot that I need to do this. I have groceries I need to go get. I have yeah. medicine that I forgot about, you know, like all these different things. And it's just constantly stealing your attention. Whereas like I'm looking over your shoulder and I see this whole shelf of vinyl, you know, when those vinyls were being pressed, they didn't have any of the distractions that we had. Yeah. There was no, yeah, they, they didn't have nearly any of them. And just in this short period of time, I got my first cell phone, <clears throat> excuse me, I got my first cell phone when I was 17, so that would have been, God, math is hard, uh, uh, 20 something, you weren't 88, yeah, 20-somethingeth <laughs> numbers, yeah, uh, I'm one year off from yeah, maybe the, like 2005, no, 2003, I can't remember, somewhere, somewhere Somewhere between 20, 2001 and 2000, nah, it was five, <laughs> somewhere. That's a good range. Yeah. Uh, it was a flip phone, you know? There's no ads, there's no nothing. You had ringtones that you could buy. And those five seconds, man. You remember, have you ever bought a ringtone? Yeah, I do. I remember that. You remember how happy you were paying four ninety nine <laughs> for five seconds of music? <laughs> You know, there's still those people you call somehow, and it's like the ring back tone. Yeah, the ring back tone. Yeah, they they're dead. Yeah, they they just forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> but someone's still paying the bill. <laughs> oh, rest shit. in peace, John. <laughs> yeah, I remember how exciting it was to buy ringtones. Yeah. Right? Oh, man. Shit has changed so much. Do you have TikTok? I don't. I, I don't like TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have like, I don't. I have installed TikTok on my phone more than once and I've never opened it because I kind of refuse to. Feel good about it? No. And like... <laughs> No, I hate it. And my friends will send me them. And I'm like, I don't want to look at, at this. Um, but, you know, goddamn Sierra Farrell. Uh, she's all famous and shit. And I have no idea who that is. She's just famous because of TikTok. She's a musician, you know, and people keep telling me this shit. Like, oh, she got famous off this. And this person got famous and this person got And I'm like, it's not all about fame. To, I guess going back to a previous question you asked, like, that isn't my motivation, but it's like, it's fucked how much the industry has shifted in. I mean, when we, you and I were coming up in 20, when we were playing in Winston in like 2015 and, and earlier 20, that would be later. Probably 20, you, you and I were playing in Winston in 2012, 13, 14, probably those three years were, were some of the, the yeah, peaks the, the, yeah, I would on, say. on yeah. end of 16. Mm -hmm. And we were still like, it was, it was still kind of the old fashioned thing. It still kind of was, you play clubs, yep. you play shows. Now, now you do have a website and you do have an Instagram, but like you play shows and you grow an audience cut to now. And it's like all online. Yeah. It's all online. Yep. I think that has a large part to do what we were, the last conversation we had with technology changing so rapidly. Yeah. I think of it like a bell curve 
the the sheer amount of information that our generation has had to digest and take on, not even just in music, but in just in life in general. Yeah. Uh, mental awareness, race relations, uh, uh, name it. It doesn't matter. Like we've, we've had to deal with so much so fast. So it makes sense that our generation is also having the hardest time with it. Mm. We are kind of right in between because like the, it seems the younger generation has fully embraced new methods and we're, and we remember the old methods. Yeah. They knew from the get, they yeah. knew as soon as they were born because it was kind of somewhat normalized. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still in this place where we're, we, we have to navigate which one is actually better yeah. for what. Yeah. And then the older generation is like, they they only give a shit about whatever about I, that. Man, the, I know this is kind of a tan, tangential statement, but I had a great conversation with a coworker of mine who was teaching me about non-binary. And it's something that is so foreign to me. Because one, I outside of uh, my work environment, I just hadn't ever... I didn't know it was a thing. It just, uh, I woke up one day, had a conversation with someone about, they actually don't, you know, they don't believe or they, they don't, um, associate themselves as any gender. And what I find interesting about that conversation wasn't, wasn't the challenge of what I knew and what I, what they knew. It was, um, being able to associate someone else's opinion and validate it, digest it and allow it to resonate with whatever, I, wherever I was, man, I'm glad you bring that up in a way. I'm also, I'm also not, but cool, th- cool, 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 it's, cool, it's cool, cool, no, cool. it's just cause <laughs> The thing is, it's been brought up very, like, almost on this show. And I don't know who watches this show, but I know that, I know that, I know that (laughs) when I say this, as I sit with it, what I'm going to worry about is if people want, like, I, I, in, uh, how should I say this? In the hundred, in the, in the one year episode as well. I talked a bit about this, about like not feeling comfortable talking about certain things and stuff because I worry about, you know, this notion that people have that they're just fight, they're, they're like fucking canceled, canceled gargoyles waiting around every corner wanting to fight with people. I will say this with you here as my friend because like whatever, but like, um, that is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Like I... I, I see some things being uh, offered as new truths by the younger generation that I just can't agree with. And then I see other things that I feel a lot more optimistic about. Um, like, like, I mean, shit, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what belongs to them and what doesn't, but I think, um, I think some of the shit that I that they don't care about is cool. Like they like I think it's kind of a Gen Z thing to not give as much of a shit about celebrity or not give as much shit about like uh some superficial shit that maybe our generation 
came up really thinking was super important. Hmm. But the example you just gave is one that I'm like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's true. I don't subscribe to it. And I have a hard time, uh, having conversations that are peaceful enough. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna in a work setting like you just described, I'm not going to say you, you, I'm going to argue with you about that now. I disagree with you about that now. Um, so you're, we, you're also highly analytical. So like w- when you say argue, you're just trying to understand it. Mm, yeah. No, you just want to argue. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't, it's not that I want to argue. It's that when I say argue, what I mean is I think that this statement of truth is against another statement of truth. And I think one of them is true. Oh, we're about to have some therapy. You and I are about to have some therapy, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like therapy. I'm going to take my shoes off. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you can if you want. Okay. Okay. Uh, I completely lost my train of thought when I moved my legs. Therapy. Let's. So as two cisgendered white males, somewhat white males, we are given extreme privilege, right? I don't necessarily subscribe to that either. Okay. Uh, as, as two men, Mm -hmm. we have like a particular way that we operate through the world. I don't even subscribe to that. (laughs) I, I don't subscribe to most things I've been hearing people say that, that determine how people are in these terms. So I don't subscribe to any of that. That's okay. No, no, I got it. I got it. Uh, if, in a, in a primitive sense, right? If someone agrees that they are a particular way, I because I was very uncomfortable that you and I are also millennials and we were told that Mr. Mrs. is correct. It shows, it shows respect for the people that you're talking to, right? Mm. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. And that is show, a way of showing respect to someone. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this new avenue of people that prefer a certain thing, it, it is, it's foreign. It's completely foreign to us. And we're not able to, it goes against everything that was taught to us. And I think as a millennial, that's, that's why I was so kind of jarred by it. Because, yeah, you, you're, you're just kind of shoveled that that circumstance right and it's it's so out of the ordinary from everything that you can believe in regardless of of the physicality of it or even even if there's any kind of religious aspect to it or any kind of um anything really if someone prefers a certain thing break it down to like a primitive level i prefer to drink water over soda right Mm-hmm. So I would, I, that's my preference. If you hand a soda to me and I tell you, I, you know, I would actually prefer a soda or I would prefer a water versus a soda. You being an honest person would probably, and you know me, you would probably get me a water if it was available, right? If it was an option, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with how you view me. It's just like you're, you're being amicable. I kind of see it in that regard. I have, I, once again, 
someone who's completely an outsider to the whole conversation, I would much rather prefer to err on the side of being hospitable yeah. to something I have, I know nothing about. And that's, that's the, what I've been trying to treat it as. Cause it is so foreign to me. And the difference bridging that gap is purely communication. If you say that you're Hulk Hogan in the eighties, that's like, ah, that's outlandish, right? What's your name? Hulk Hogan. All right. All right. Hulk Hogan. Thank you. Have a good day. I don't have to put emotional stock in that because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a very vapid existence with you and I, mm. but I can also acknowledge the fact that if that's something you prefer, what's it going to hurt me to acknowledge it? Yeah. And, and words like they, that's something that I've found extremely um, interesting, right? Because it's foreign. It's foreign to call someone a they. Or it's it's for, for people like for us. A, a sing, for a singular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like an ambiguous phrase right yeah um or mix or whatever yeah whatever pronoun that people prefer but uh calling someone by name is interesting i i worked with this lovely lovely human named zoe and it god i i fucked it up so many times because it was ingrained in me it was the first person i ever met that was non-binary and it was something that the, the sheer amount of love that that person had put off was so like, how, how can I deny? Like, yeah, they're, they're great. They just, they're doing their thing. They're whatever they're, yeah, it, it didn't matter because they crafted me to think differently about the initial response. And of course we're all smart individuals and we can kind of break it down to the sense that, um, genealogically it's one thing especially i don't know how much you you know dive into science but you can you can label anything however you want to label it if you choose but if someone's telling you in a in a very forthright way in a very honest way i just have trouble denying that and it's not uh, there's no ulterior motive to it so just what's the harm in calling them what they prefer but the, the, the power of calling them by their name versus the pronoun, uh, and this is a trick my one of my coworkers had taught me, uh, it, it removes the, it removes the, like the uh, accident of calling Mr. Mrs. He, she, they, them, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it, it boils down to the, the premise of the conversation, right? Which is non-binary, the, the whole non-binary non-binary conversation looking at them for them Mm. so no longer do i see zoe as a he she they them whatever it's zoe because it was way easier to call them zoe (laughs) and uh it was yeah it just kind of became like a like a primary function yeah and it took away some stigma and i can imagine that someone who that is in a, in a weirder place not no, weird is a bad word, uh, in a, in a, in a place that I can't understand. 
it, I can imagine how gratifying it is for someone who just on a, like a very basic level, just humanizes them. So it's the least I can do. And it does way more better than bad. That was a tangent, Mm. but that's kind of how I feel about it. That's fine, man. Um, (laughs) I'm going to guess you disagree. Well, I'm just wondering if we're now one, one year into it, if we've reached like my downfall, uh, if I depending on what I'm about to express, because I have no idea what I'm going to say. But uh, I mean, first on the surface, I would when I've been in these interactions, I tend to take the agreeable road to I tend to I'm not really out to prove anything, especially if um, especially in, in professionally dealing with people's identities or whatever, like like interacting with people. I'm not going to like I say, I'm not going to seek out conflict for no reason or, or feel like every opportunity is one to prove a point or whatever. So I definitely agree with what you said. Like, I definitely agree that in most situations it's best to just take the road of less, of less conflict for everybody. Um, but in more private interactions, I think it's like, like the example you gave maybe about soda or water. It'd it'd be like if someone said to me, um, I realize that you call this soda and this water, but I want you to call the soda water as well. Both of them are water. Interesting. I would be like, I'm sorry, but I'm unwilling to do that. Like I'm, I'm, it's, it's, I get that it's a preference that you might have or whatever. Uh, but when it comes to my language and what, what words are for me and what they symbolize, that's just not really up for that's not really up for like voting by a mass of people like i like mm. i i'm taught i i get that words only have so much concrete meaning that they're really just symbols of things that we interact with but like i take that seriously and i don't i can't i really like i bristle up every time i get the slightest idea that somebody is trying to tell me that cert- there's certain things i can't like I'm not allowed to say, or I have to say this or whatever, like, uh, like the, the realm of political correctness as it deals with speech, as it tries to police speech, uh, kind of infuriates me because to me, the whole, you know, speech is meant to be useful and speech is meant to be, uh, everyone's domain. And so I don't know when, when I feel as though other people are kind of encroaching on my understanding of my language, it just makes me feel creeped out. And, uh, and and worse than that, it's connected to a theory that I don't buy, which is a theory that gender is is a social construct that's separate from sex, and that sex is what our anatomy indicates, but that gender is a is a is a is a is a is a concept placed on top of that, which says that men have short hair and women wear dresses. I don't think that's what gender is. I think the gender roles that we've associated with gender for all these years are indeed silly. I don't think that women have to wear dresses. I don't think men have to have short hair. If 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 a man says, uh, yo, I'm a man, but I totally enjoy wearing lipstick and a dress and like this is how I express myself, I just don't mind that one bit. I like do whatever the hell you want. Um, but when we get into the territory of using language that would indicate the, that would support the theory 
that that gender and sex are totally totally isolated from one another. Um, I'm very skeptical about using my language that way because I don't buy that theory at this point. Mm. I think that makes complete sense the way that you feel that way, Mm. especially how we were raised in a large part. Um, I do have a lot of questions. (laughs) That's fine. Um, Where is it? What's what direction I want to go in first? Um, I think the first one might be toxic masculinity. That might be the first way that we go. Um, That's a very new definition, I think, for the world. And Mm -hmm. it's something that is, by no means am I calling you toxically masculine at all. Uh, But our culture, and I think that you and I could, based on how the conversations we had prior, our family hasn't really given us a lot to go on (laughs) in the way of uh, (laughs) healthy, (laughs) you know, not, not, not fantastic role models, but... (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and it kind of dovetails into the conversation we had prior with technology and how the bell curve of the, the world changing at such a rapid pace. Yeah. Right? It's so easy to cling to things that we know. It's so easy to cling to comforts of you are this way. They are that way. Um, he, she, they, them, or I mean, hell, even on a primitive level, being married, um, for as long as I have been, it's like, it's constantly changing. I mean, the war, everything is changing all the time. And so every sect of person is redefining themselves all the time. For me, this is, this is my opinion, but like how, how I view everyone around me, whether it's um, a straight person that I'm talking to or a homosexual or a non-binary or whomever, a married person, a non-married person, I'm trying my hardest to just level the playing field and take away variables that just allow me to operate more coexistingly. Mm -hmm. It's not subscribing to what they believe in. It's more so just existing. Yeah. And so there are lots of times I have very uncomfortable conversations with people that I do not, I don't have any context to how they live their lives or what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. But what I can do is come at it with kindness and communication. And I think that's how I've, I focus on, I try to focus on nearly everything. I mean, dude, that's, I actually relate to that description very specifically, um, in a really interesting way. That's pretty cool. I never thought about it like that, but so I don't know if you, I don't know, you and I must have talked about this at some point, but I don't know if we've really talked about my sort of crusade against ideology and how that's kind of my main thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you were, when you're talking about equalizing the playing field that you're in with people. 
that to me is like the motivation of the whole anti-ideology thing is so that if I'm talking to, it doesn't matter what ethnicity or sexuality or whatever minority group somebody might exist in. I feel like a like neutral language makes like that is the language that we both occupy. Mm. Like we both, we both want to go home with more money. We both want to have success in life. We both want to be attractive. We both want to like have what we want in life. (laughs) (laughs) We want to have what we want in life. Mm. And that, that to me is like the neutral condition of humans relating to humans. It's what I, what I've noticed is that people with their ideologies will invite other people to express them or agree with them or laugh at them or do these different things. I remember uh, just tonight interacting with someone who like said something snarky about Republicans and it was almost like they were waiting to see if I was going to like laugh or whatever. And you know, I noticed these things when I see them and I thought, okay, like you're trying to show me what your identity is and what you affiliate yourself with. And you're trying to see if I'm going to like encourage that or not or whatever. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just going to not participate in that. that, that not participating, do that. not participating is my answer. And that's the same with these issues is I choose to not participate in what I see as ideological language. Reframing is such a hard thing. Like yeah. Reframing thoughts. Um, yeah. Even something down to like taking away the stigma, like break, breaking down to like, man, I, I've had so much happen in my life. Yeah. So much trauma that dictates the way that I think even down to like how I, how I show love to other people. I've had to unlearn everything about myself and it, those those circumstances take take away that your power from existing in the moment and i'm tired of allowing those things that have happened to me to dictate how i act and change circumstances mm. and it's and it's an extremely painful endeavor it, and it's constant it's never one instance it's it's every single moment. Like you have to choose that. Um, I know that was very vague, but I, 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 that, that's the mentality that I kind of adopt to things that I just don't understand. Yeah. Because I would much rather, I'd much rather let go of something I don't understand than hold on to it. Why? Having, having a, like a debate about something, which is what I've always loved about our conversations is that you and I very rarely see eye to eye on much anything. We kind of went. <laughs> yeah. But what I what I can say is like it's always been cordial. It's always been cordial. It's always been constructive to some extent, even even on our worst moments. Yeah. Besides you, you know, uh, us punching each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's always been a way to, yeah, just find that 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 middle ground. But but for me personally, anytime that I find something that I can't understand, I just let it go. Yeah. Because then I have to hold on to it. I fixate on it. Yeah. I, I build up an army around it for yeah. some reason. Ooh, that's interesting. Do is is that a way of controlling? 
I think it's like, I mean, understanding this control, that kind of situation. Or? As you know, you and I both came from backgrounds that are different from where we've landed. And then I like, it was weird. We passed each other in different ways at different times. And yeah. I think I got, I think I got liberalism before you and you were like more conservative when we were like, I got 19. it when I was on sale. Yeah. 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 You got it when it was like, yeah, you paid full price. I, <laughs> yeah. I paid early bird price and, uh, Geez, I returned that shit quick. And uh, <laughs> I remember I remember meeting you. It was funny because when I started losing liberalism as an ideology, I actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I hit you up and I met up with you at Camino and I was like, hey man, like, um, so I remember like that you're kind of more conservative and like the liberals are going crazy. And you were like, yeah, man, I used to be conservative. That shit was crazy. Like, I'm so much more open-minded now. And I was like, oh, no, they got you. We lost another. <laughs> we lost one. No, I wasn't that. I'm not like that. I, I'm not going from one thing to the other. But uh, it's not, I'm not trying to control. It's like when I came from religion, I felt really betrayed by that theory of the world when I, when I realized I didn't agree with it anymore. Or that whatever. makes sense because they were so tied together. Yeah. Yeah. So then when, then when I lost liberalism, then I was then I was like, fuck, like nothing. You can't believe anything. Like you mm -hmm. can't fucking believe anything. So now all it is is I'm just like, I have a very, I've got a moat dug around me when it comes to people trying to get me to believe shit, and all the time it feels like people creep up to it and they're like, hey, did you know that? Um, did you know that men all men are all bad or something? And I'm like, go away. I don't want to believe that. And you throw your pike from the top of yeah. the spire. And I, and I, yeah, I throw a hamster at them or whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever they say in uh the quest for the Holy Grail. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> no, I'm not. not that one. <laughs> Just a minor flesh wound. That's yeah. <laughs> But that's, that, it's so, validating the response, right? It's so easy to get dictated by the way that people shotgun all the shit into our lives. Yeah. It's so easy to, to, that's why politics are so divisive is because it works. It's so easy to manipulate these people that feel a certain way and especially People in my life that are you, when you when you are hook line and sinker, it's so easy to steer them into any different direction, and there there is a counterculture I think to the society that's coming up because they trust nothing. Yeah, and I'm optimistic that those people are going to change the entire world because when whenever there is chaos, right, things can that's that's the most pivotal time to change something. Yeah. I mean, um, that's true. So you have people, we, we were raised in, in religious aspects, in um, political aspects, gender aspects, like all these different, whatever want to, yeah, whatever thing you want to combine it. Um, we have been molded and told that this is the right way. And until we saw that that was wrong, we had to break those cycles, oftentimes in a, a kind of a traumatic sense, right? I 
am no longer religious as a person. And I once upon a time felt very religious, once upon a time. I used to be a particular political way, and then I was a different political way, and then I was also not political at all. And having to redefine those moments, I think a lot of it can be defined as understanding suffering. Understanding um, how you can conceptualize something that you just don't understand or allowing allowing like the full thought process to happen that's too vague all that's too vague no it's fine i think like you're uh, that is the right words one you said something very exactly correct which is that new order comes from chaos which is what worries me because i don't know what kind of world some of these people are trying to create, but some of them are trying to create one that I don't want. That's a fear. Yeah. What you're saying. You're, yeah. or you're afraid of that happening. Certain things. Definitely. I'm certain. I'm For afraid sure. of certain things. Yeah. And, and I'm fine with that. And then second, yes, it feels as a, it's weird. Like with, with ideological beliefs, people, it's really interesting, man. It's like people stumble around blankly and then they find a new identity and wrap it all around them. And then they try to make other people that identity. It's weird. It's kind of like, it's like, I feel like there's like a, a commercial about it or a cartoon or something. I'm not sure, but it's like, it's, it's like if you and I were talking, it, it's like if, if I was a, if I was a flat earther or something and you brought it up for some reason. And if I just like, couldn't leave you alone about it, if I just needed you to go home thinking that maybe it was possible that the earth was flat. It's like, why, why does that part of my identity need to be inserted into your brain? Why mm. do you need to go through the same change that I went through? Why does that part of my identity tell me that you need to do it? And I, I see in other people, I see in some people, they don't have that. Like my neighbor, very like just smiling. And it's like, if you say something that he doesn't agree with, he's like, well, cool. And he, just, <laughs> he just doesn't what care. What a fucking superpower that is. <laughs> I know. He just don't care. I mean, honestly, the generation that's coming up kind of has that because they had to have. Hmm. Because if they digested everything and took it in the same way that we had to, because we got shoveled it, right? Our, our generation, we had the internet. We had Netgear. <laughs> we had AOL. Hmm. We had two avenues of information. <laughs> and it just went straight into our brain. Uh, and then we, like, that was truth. But imagine kids right now. Like, my daughter is three years old. Yeah. And she sees things that I will never have seen. Yeah. At, at a magnitude that's so much different from my life. And yeah. if you didn't have a shield for that, it would just, it would consume you. Right? So in a way, I see that as optimism. Like, these, these kids that have all of this information all the time also are building natural armor to shield that. I hope. It seems to me like there might be, given how... I don't know what's actually true when it comes to how this information breaks down, but it seems to me that this information is... is it depends on what you mean by shield that. Like, Do you mean shielding certainty or do you mean like shielding bullshit because i guess i would argue 
and offer TikTok as an as as sample one as a space in which their bullshit meter is not great. Their authenticity meter isn't great. Yeah. Their sincerity meter isn't great. As a company? No, no, no. Gener- people in that generation, like kids in Gen Z, I think uh, some of their metrics for success is off if it is based on, like, um, let me get a little more specific. If you're saying that these kids were raised with such a vast amount of information that maybe they can wade through it better. To me, I think the evidence is shaken out the other way because of ideologies that we're talking about that I think are false. And two, because of social spaces like TikTok and what they are breeding in people, I think that that's, that's evidence of them being really stunted socially and not progressive. Actually. I, mean, I mean, yeah, heroin is also bad if you do it enough. Yeah. I mean, flat point, it's, yeah, it's not inherently a good thing. Uh, what what's different is like there is a counterculture of pe- of kids now that are you know take sabbaticals from social media. Mm. I can't even regulate my time on social media. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, that's legit. So like I think that's what I mean by natural armor is that they they've become acclimated in the same way that you know we we mind ourselves how much we drink or how much how much how many cigarettes you have in a night. Um, and I'm optimistic in that, you know, it, it's, it's so easy. It's so easy to think that the world is going to shit because the media is, is in general is way louder than people's kindness. Mm, yeah. Um, and I just, I would prefer to, to, to think that if we lived in a culture where everyone was optimistic, there's no way that we can be bad. And I realize that's kind of sunny rosy, but like I would much rather prefer I need that for me <laughs> because otherwise I'm going to just get a tank. <laughs> I'm gonna, if, if I choose the other side, I won't be here. Yeah. And now we segue into <laughs> other conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Let me grab one of these real quick. Yeah. A non-alcoholic. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, other subjects. I guess, as we've talked, I thought of two things I could ask you. Let's get real, man. I'm I'm an open book. Um, do you do you care if we continue just talking about um, music journey stuff for mm-hmm. a quick second? Mm-hmm. Well, so I do not care. Yes, we can talk about it. Cool. <laughs> um, Clarify from a head nod. Outsider looking in as your friend, I know that um, a lot of stuff changed around this time. And then, like, shit's been different ever since. Like, so you, you, so you guys produced an album that was produced really well, that sounded really good. And it was like, uh, since then, I guess, th- like, shit was different or whatever. Mm. And I don't know that full story, but so where did you leave off with the album that you kind of, it seemed like maybe you bet everything on this album or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first off, that means, a lot coming from you to, to hear that that was a good album. Because oh shit. The thing was fire. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, like believing in yourself is the hardest thing. And to hear someone that you really respect, it's, it means a lot. Uh, we spent a lot of money and a lot of time on that record and we crowdfunded half of it and we spent the other half, like we, we, we afforded it. And I'm, 
even to this day. We released it in 2018. We produced with this phenomenal producer, Stephen Price. We had it mastered from David um, McNair, and he's done <laughs> Bob Dylan and Cher and all these different names, and you're just like, gracious, I don't, I don't deserve it, <laughs> right? Uh, and I'm super proud of it, every, every instance of it. And it was extremely laborious and I'm just proud. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it. Uh, naturally, through the, the process of being in a, in a band with someone that I was married to and a close friend, it's, it's like a separate, it's like a, a compounding level of, of stress, right? <clears throat> I... I only look at it from a from a like a a happy circumstance. That was in 2018 that we released it, and of course, I was burnt out in in the music world because I at this point we had been gigging for God five seven years. Yeah, this probably approaching ten. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of like we were pounding the pavement using the method that our generation knew. Yeah. which is making CDs, selling them. Eventually you'll get a record deal. Eventually that you'll do this. And then social media was coming in at the bell curve of it. Right. And so we were behind, like we just didn't, we didn't speak that language. We were already tired at that point. And so when we released it, we were very proud of it, but at the same time we just didn't have the gas to continue to change to the, to the new system. And so when when it came out, it was it was I felt extremely proud of it, but I also just didn't have much to give to the um, the other side because it takes so much. Uh, and then uh, in 2019, my wife and I got pregnant. And we had our daughter, Indiana, who's a chaos monster and a delight, and a, just yeah, it's. Anyone who has a kid understands it's just like equally extremely hard and extremely rewarding all at the same time. It's the hardest thing. That's the, yeah, it's the hardest thing you'll do, but the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. Hmm. And that was in 2019 in the fall. So six months later, COVID stuff started to hit and it goes, it goes without saying for musicians alone, how difficult all of it, the bottom fell out and not even just in like a musical realm, but just societally, everything fell out. Yeah. And so when I was in that moment, having a brand new child, I was pouring all of myself into her. Sure. Detrimentally, I would say to a point where it was taking away from me. Mm. And, I didn't know any better. I didn't have any context as to what was too much because I was a new father, you know? And that also took away from my marriage where I was like, I was constantly trying to give and give and give and I didn't have anything left to give. You're being forced inside these houses and your social constraints are completely turned upside down. Um, especially, yeah, so music was like 10th on the totem pole. It got knocked down real quick. And I was okay with it because it was kind of a moment of rest in a way. 
Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of musicians would agree with that where it was, especially the ones that have been doing it for a while. You're just like, man, this is actually kind of nice. I just could sit at home. Maybe if you're lucky, you get unemployment. Maybe if you're lucky, you just, you know, eat some Cheetos or something. I don't know. I don't know what youths eat these days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange. The dynamic of the, what we had was, I didn't see it inside the moment, but being married inside of a band and having a kid is not constructive to creating music. Hmm. It's everything that, this is my perspective, but it's everything that you wouldn't want for being creative. Lack of time, lack of sleep, no structure. True, true creativity. Yeah. And I think knowing you enough too, it's like when we were younger, it was different. Creativity was a different thing. It was spontaneous because we had time. That's right. We had no constraints to what we could do. That was just running through my head. And when I was we could do about it. the sleep thing. And I was like, yeah. no, I used to sleep to like one in the afternoon if I wanted to. Yeah, exactly. Cause you had no consequence to yeah. doing it. Like what's today? Today is uh, uh Sunday tomorrow morning. Like, what time is it now? I don't even know. It's 9.21. 9.21. So, like, I imagine that we'll we'll be here for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might get five hours of sleep. Because tomorrow morning I have to go to work. Mm. Six o'clock. Mm. And those moments... What I found in my age now, I'm 34. I, when I when I choose to spend those hours, I, it's it's currency. This is like this is a currency that I'm giving, because I want to be here. And, it's kind of made the moments worth more worthwhile as well. Yeah, the people that I I choose to give those hours to, it it. it yeah, it just makes them where you are in the moment feel more worth it. At a certain point in life, you really learn that that time actually is valuable. Yeah. I wish I knew that earlier. Yeah. I tried to know that uh, a lot. I, I, in 2020, man, uh, I guess you and I haven't talked too much about that experience either. But, yeah. uh, man, that was like hard to... I had all this time that I was here at the house and it was impossible for me to um, make music and stuff like mm. I just couldn't quite do it. I couldn't feel good about it. And and I had all the freedom to do it. And I had money in the bank and I was getting unemployment and I just couldn't focus on music. And it felt like every day I was, I was tuning into the world through this box being like, oh, would you look at that? Like John Krasinski started a YouTube page thing oh would you look at that like jimmy fallon did this really sad episode of the tonight show from his house oh look at that like somebody made a really sweet compilation of new york city nurses just like watching this story unfold and then like opening the app and counting the numbers for cases and stuff and it was just like there was too much other shit to think about even when you had that free time you know um 
even even in circum like in circumstances like that, even when you have time, music can fall by the wayside. So I could imagine when you got a kid in the mix, you got a wife in the mix, you've got uh, still Camino in the mix. Like, yeah, I'm I'm sure that it 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 makes sense to me when you say music was like tenth on the totem pole at the time. Yeah. And how much lost art there was for those years for, for the world. That's a weird thing to think about too, mm. because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not selfish enough to understand that so many, we all went through it. Every single person, everything in the world is going to get set back to some regard. My daughter has like quote unquote, like a, like a speech deficiency now. Really? Yeah, and a large part, I think, is because of the years that she had spent. I mean, like, the first two years of her life, she met three kids. Yeah. The first two years, typically, which are, like, the ones that you do the most socializing in. The most, like, understanding of, of speech patterns or, or mimicking. And is everyone was wearing masks during those times, you know? Yeah. So, is like, two to three, were you saying? I was saying, like, one, one, one and two. One and two are, like, really formative for that. I, I'm not a professional. I, don't, I, would, I just don't know. Begin yeah. to understand. I, I would. I would say that in any of those times, like you're, you're, they're sponges. Those kids, you know? yeah. And yeah, it's weird. It's just so bizarre <sighs> to think about how much impact that has. Yeah. Oh damn! There was another thing I wanted to touch on. Um, where were we going before this? Before we were talking about kids. Well, we're talking about music and 2020 and just like not having time for the creative stuff. You're talking about music that got lost or art that got lost. Yeah, it's gone. I'm uh, sorry. Wee. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. You got too much beard, my dude. Yeah. I can't do that one. It's, f- it's less about it's less about, <laughs> it's less about the uh, the flicking. Yeah, you're yeah you're there. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. So, um, well, do you want to talk about it? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I guess it's safe to say the genuine uh, isn't. Yeah, y'all aren't a y'all aren't a band right now. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, to just clarify where we're at is uh, Kate and I have decided to separate, and amicably, it makes the most sense. We. I'm never going to understand this world. I don't think I ever will. But what I can say is I have extremely appreciated everything that I've been a part of. And both of us realized that it just wasn't giving to either one of us. Especially through COVID. Especially through having a child. There's 15 different things that are compounding on one another. And ultimately, if if I let go of the wheel enough to understand that we're happier in a different existence, I would prefer that 
I would prefer to, to see someone that I truly care about find a different avenue to be happy in. And that's, a, that's a, such a, a difficult thing to wrap my head around. I've done the try to white knuckle and fix it situation. My whole, I think most of my life, that's kind of my, been my mentality, kind of in the, in the realm of music, if I'm being honest. Control is something that I, I, I can do. But letting go is foreign, right? And you, you, you kind of always see letting go as a weakness, innately. Yeah. But the, the older I get and the, the more experience that I have, I realize that... <laughs> You're a fool if you think you can control things. <laughs> and the more I let go, the re- more I realize, like, oh, this actually makes me feel better. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with trying. Like, if the things that you can control that are, aren't gripping are communication. You can talk about things with anyone. You and I can have these disagreements that we've had tonight. I don't have to hold on to the fact that you and I are disagreeing on something. Yeah. And I can let that go and I can come back here and I can enjoy that. I just, I'm choosing to enjoy versus choosing to hold on to it. Man, that is a quite the choice. (sighs) Yes, it is. That is, I mean, that is, it's not easy. It's quite the choice. And I'm not good at it. <sighs> yeah. You know, every single person has, has stories that are, you know, the most difficult things I've ever encountered. Yeah. But eventually those situations change. And I don't have the context yet for this particular situation I'm in. But I have the choice to look back on it or treat it with respect. And I I want to choose that. And it's going to make some damn good art. (laughs) I noticed like a week or two ago. One of the first things I'd really seen you post in a while. Oh, gosh, yeah. You posted your instruments on your wall. Yeah. And I was like, interesting. And I was like, uh, I interpreted that as like you kind of finding yourself. For sure. In your love of music or something. Yeah. It's the first time I've had headspace enough to want to perform. Or even just, gosh, even just pick up an instrument for myself. You know, like when we were kids. Mm -hmm. You know, you would play guitar for hours and just live in it yeah and it was so easy and everything was happening you didn't have any stress in the life but as an adult you have to fight for those moments yeah today oh my gosh this is so perfect indiana my daughter is um she hates it when i play the guitar which is so frustrating (laughs) because you know if you're going to create anything you gotta (laughs) you gotta do something but i would take the guitar down. I have probably like a good five minutes before she starts screaming. 
not screaming, but just like all done, all done. She'll say, um, trying to get me to stop playing because I guess the attention that I'm giving it is less than the Mm. three year old irrational toddler self that she is. (laughs) Indiana, I hope you're watching this and I hope you know that you are a little shit (laughs) in these moments. I love you and I completely accept it. You're a little shit. Um, (laughs) but I got a good five minutes of playing the guitar. Right. And how, how, how how good do you feel from playing five minutes of guitar in silence? Right, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, five minutes is five minutes, but it'd be nice if it was more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like 30 at least. Yeah. 30 is like the ground level that I get before I get inspired by something. Yeah. And you just have to fight for it, you know? And so as a, as a father, I just have to try my best to... F- field it in my mind and allow myself to try to be inspired. But oftentimes those moments are when she's asleep or when I don't have her. Um, and she's with my, um, yeah, with, with the, our, our, my co-parent. And I, I think that sentiment is really cool. The co uh, the fighting for your choice, right? Um, I, I resonate th- with that having a kid and and music, right? When you, if anyone is watching this, that is, has a child, you guys know in the first year of your life, of your child's life, you are fighting for every moment that you have. Even if you're in an amicable relationship, right? If you're a single parent, it's even worse. Mm. (laughs) Like, could you imagine? Okay. Imagine being a woman and you just have a child single single mother and you are uh having to take care of this newborn the newborn wakes up every 45 to an hour Mm. for six seven months Mm. straight so you're not getting sleep at all I think that that sentiment is kind of along the lines of, of music. And I, I will not draw that parallel evil. That's not equal, <laughs> but if you're talking about it in the way of creating, God, I'm going to get some hate mail from that. <laughs> um, there, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get it. That it's reminds fine. me of it's when, fine. um, when like Pam and Angela and Oscar are arguing about, <laughs> the babies and the dog and then Andy's like there is nothing harder than taking care of a boat <laughs> yeah I, I think I I think I need to leave now sorry this is a side note but are you are you more of an office person or a parks and rec person? parks and rec all day office I kind of thought so Mark. What what are we what what what, what does I don't that mean? know. There's something about like you and Devin. I know are like Parks and Rec people, and somehow I just know. No, that. Devin likes The Office. More. I thought he was Parks and Rec. No, no, he's a fucker too. Well, then I'm. I guess I'm. I'm just a fool. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's like a type of person that like loves Parks and Rec more, and I'm I'm definitely more yeah, the happier office. people. Yeah, probably yeah. happier people. <laughs> Fucking I don't mean that. I don't mean. <laughs> uh, I feel like I need to have this conversation on the ground. That's what's gonna happen, dude. Can we move these? Have at. Do what you want to do. Right.
Come here. <laughs> All right. Something I need to talk about. Oh, God. No, you're good. Okay. Is how bad... All right. I need, I need everyone at home to, to pay attention to this. The office <laughs> is just okay. I don't know if anyone heard me when I said that. The office is just okay. Wrong. But continue. It's fine. The writing is great. But the show as a whole doesn't resonate with everyone. <laughs> right? And I need everyone to know that just because it's popular doesn't make it perfect. <laughs> and I stand by that. I don't know, bro. All right, what makes it imperfect? What makes it imperfect? Um, what makes you say this? Scott's you just... Tots. That's how? Okay. <laughs> Why are you going to bring up Scott's Tots? Because it, it is so uncomfortable and no one likes it. We all feel the same way about yeah. Scott's Tots. We all <laughs> skip that episode. But every <laughs> that's the only point you have. No, no, no. Um... <laughs> The the dryness is is kind of polarizing to most. But I, the dryness is polarizing to a fair amount of people, and no one has the confidence to say out loud <laughs> that they are also put off by it. And I, hey, I don't give I don't give two fucks. <laughs> I could give one fuck, but two, that's the limit. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. Oh. It's fine. It's fine. It's funny. Most of it is funny. Steve Carell. Yeah. No. No. No judgment on the ability and the craft of it. But Parks and Rec supersedes. All right. No. That's where you're wrong. Yeah. That's where you're wrong. Okay. <sighs> Freaking Leslie Nope, man. You can't get wrong. Here's the thing. So good. The Office. The one of the biggest problems. I feel like you need to join me down here. I'm, I, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get down here. Okay. We gotta get on my level, quite literally. All right. One of the problems, <laughs> <laughs> probably the main problem. Okay. Is maybe I should turn around. I, don't know. I think you're fine, man. It just feels so good. Okay, we're good. Um, the thing is, one one of the big problems. It's more. I guess it's a larger scale thing, but the office acknowledged. The fact that they were shooting a TV show. And Parks and Rec never did. And you, one thing that was annoying, just on a theoretical level with Parks and Rec, is why is it shot... Why are they interacting with the camera, but yet they never acknowledge the fact that there are cameras present? I mean, I think you can kind of ask the same question about sitcoms. Because I feel like sitcoms do the same thing. I'm trying to think. You're talking about breaking the fourth wall. Yes, because they talk to the camera. They talk to it. Well, that might be a stylistic thing. Because isn't the same director of the two, same two shows? I think, or maybe. Uh, it's at least the same producer, I think. But, the, but like I say, I mean, for me, it's like they... And, and some of the later... Some of the later... No, that's not true. They did a two-camera angle on Parks and Rec, and they had them talking to the camera, and they kind of never acknowledged what the cameras were for. Okay. And that bothered me. Do you need to know? 
Does there have to be a reason? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> For you. Yeah. <laughs> like it was a great show. I love the characters are fantastic. Oh, Andy Dwyer is one of my favorite characters of all times. Oh, I mean, uh, wait. Andy Dwyer. He's is he from Parks and Rec? Yeah, Chris Pratt. Oh, right. His name's Andy Dwyer. No, Chris, his, Chris, wait. Yes, 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 you're right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm confusing him with Rob Lowe's character. Oh, God, also fantastic. Yeah, he was great, but I mean. That's a far better show than The Office, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd they lose Rob Lowe? What do you mean? Why did him and uh, Shanann, wait, what's her name? Sinead O'Connor? No. (laughs) Why did uh, (laughs) the girl that was on The Office, that married... His character? Uh, 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 they had that uh, baby. Uh, wait, wait, wait a, second, wait, a second, wait a second. Rashida Jones? Rashida Jones, yeah. yeah why, why did they leave? Why did they leave? Lots of people left. Because uh, of Parks and Rec. Why, why do you, why why do you f- take a poop at 5 p.m. versus <laughs> 10 p.m.? I don't why, know, bro. Why, yeah, you know, you have pizza and Parks and change R- things. Parks and Rec is fine. The office is the OG, bro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you realize this is uh, a, like a stylistic opinion, right? <laughs> yeah, but you're wrong <laughs> in your opinion. <laughs> Y'all can come at me all day long. I I wish, I wish some people would. All right, who's who's a who makes the show for you? Uh. Ron Swanson. Yep. Straight up. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Do you have any favorite Ron Swanson quotes? Um, I'm going to point this back to you a little better. Okay. Ron Swanson quotes. Perfect. Um, I cannot think of one off the top of my head. Uh, uh, it's almost there it's almost there Um, no I don't have one I was thinking of the moment when he was at the chair building convention there's something that I like a lot but I can't think of it off the top of my head nearly everything he says yeah Uh, some that come to mind he says of course he has his pyramid of greatness he says uh <laughs> teach a man to fish. Wait, no. Teacher, no. Fuck. What does he say? <laughs> you give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. You don't give a man a fish. You don't teach a man to fish and you feed yourself. <laughs> Fishing is not that hard. He's a grown man. <laughs> Something like that. I, I really like. Uh, there's two moments I really like. One, he goes to something like Whole Foods, and there's like a hippie scraping beans out of a barrel. And he says, I come here for the same reason people go to the zoo. Look at that thing. <laughs> and he like points at a, a white hippie guy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. oh, wait, what's the last one? He says, um, uh, uh, I lost. I think I, I lost the other one I wanted to say. 
the interactions between the different Rons as well. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty phenomenal. The hippie Ron <laughs> yeah. that comes in from the other uh, county. I Eagleton. like Ron. <laughs> Uh, what is what is that actor's name? The older one. Um, his name. Uh, God damn it! But when the eagle comes down. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. I believe a man's feet should be uncaged. Same, <laughs> same goes for all chickens. <laughs> I no longer like Ron. <laughs> like fuck you. <laughs> what is on your feet, sir? Oh. You remember the mandates? Oh my god, of course I do. Of course I do, Tyler. Have you talked to Alec anytime recently? No, I haven't. We have a great friend. Um, well, an okay friend, I guess, at this point. <laughs> but <laughs> he would appreciate that joke. He's British. Uh, <laughs> where we had, uh, yeah, we would all get together and have some fun. John was there. Jose was there. Alec was there. Yeah. We were all there. We were there. Time is weird, isn't it? Yeah, man. A lot has changed since then. Relationship statuses. We lost Jose from the world. Yeah. Alec is back in bloody old England. Yeah, so he's lost as well. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) That was a joke. Yeah, we've done a lot of shit, man. Yeah. Okay, I have to pee too much. I can't sit in this position anymore. How do you feel about It's Always Sunny? Uh, I don't know enough about it, but I enjoy it. Yeah? I sing Day Man all the time. <laughs> Fighter of the Night Man. <laughs> Brilliant. There's this guy I work Cross. with at Aperture, and I was trying to... Have you, do you know... Uh, <laughs> do you know Daddy and the Boy? <laughs> I, I feel like I should. You definitely should. I don't, I don't so know. Not off the De- top of my head. Dennis got it in his head that he was like, he knew exactly what kind of uh, sh- like strip, male stripper thing that would be a great success. And he, his whole shtick was daddy and the boy. And so Dennis was daddy and Charlie was the boy. And it was this whole thing. And you just need to see it. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty disturbing. Oh, thanks, man. What else? What else have we haven't talked about that's serious? So how'd you lose religion? Ooh, goodness. Um, We can compare losses. I think... If I'm going to, like, use my big brain for this conversation, I think that having been introduced to religion at an early age and been a part of the system for as long as I have been, I fully bought into it. And then through hardships and through things changing in my life and my relationship with my family, the ones that were the primary people that have given me that religion. Yeah. Uh, when I lost faith in my relationships with my family it kind of fell out with it. Um, hmm. It's weird because I, there there are a lot of things about religion I really I really think do well, 
and I, I don't discredit the, the believing in it right now. I think a lot of people get jaded and, and can easily throw that hammer pretty quickly because of something happening in their life. So therefore this cannot be true. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. But do I, don't, you, I don't think that's the case. Do you miss those things that you're talking about that you still have respect for? Um, I've redefined them in a lot of ways. I, I think the camaraderie of it is, is really great. Like the, the sense that people are always there. Um, it is innately a family, right? And I, yeah. I still, I, a lot of my own personal family are very religious still, and they get a lot of, of from religion. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think I miss it terribly. I think I miss sort of like what we were talking about earlier about how this, how Gen Z might lack certainty across the board in a lot of ways or something. I miss certainty sometimes. I miss having this unshakable, like, uh, I don't know, this unshakable determination to stay believing something. And it sucks because my loss of that confidence was sincere. Uh, and I, I would almost trade it at the, like, I, I wish I could, there's a part of me that wishes I could trade it, but it's just not, it's not realistic. Like, uh, I can't choose to trade it. I can't, I can't, at this point, I can't naively, blissfully believe something. So I have to, if I'm going to believe something, yeah, I have to really believe it. I have to like decide to believe it and be like, I'm going to bet my whole sense of what's true or right or whatever on this thing um, is kind of how it, what it takes now. I was going to mention the word naivety. Um, and the age old question of, of power or knowledge, knowledge and naivety, that kind of that circumstance when it comes to religion, because it's difficult if you're, I will never take away from someone who believes in something that I don't understand, right? There's so many people that I've come into contact in this world that believe so many different things that are just a different worldly view than I have. And I, I see religion in that same way. You know, if, if if someone was raised in Japan, I have no context to that. So how can I talk to them about something? Yeah. And I, it is a big qualm for me with Christianity, especially because we, we as Americans get force fed a lot of that, the, the propaganda of Christianity, not to say whoever believes in it is wrong. It's just very prevalent. Right. And so like when I go to my mother and I talk to her about Buddhism or Taoism or, yeah. or things that are, you know, older than those religions, it's a non-starter because of the way that the religion has been circulated in the scope of what we have here. Yeah. Neither one in my mind are right or wrong. It's just the conversation, right? 
How, what do I know about any of it? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> yeah. I feel you, man. Uh, yeah. That was kind of what bothered me, I think, the most was that when, you know, there are people in the world, I'm sure, that use faith and use Christianity and religion of all kinds as inspiration to learn more about life or something. But my experience with it was always like, this is all you need to know. You don't need to be open-minded about any other shit. You don't need to hear any other shit. It was so, it was so fear-based in its anchoring, you know, it was like, I mean, I, I, I remember, I remember being horrified, um, at my, at a, at a birthday party in my family because, um, when someone was turning like 15 or 16, everybody was warning her like, Oh, you know, be afraid. Like the world is a dangerous place. You'll see on the back, you'll see a word back. It'll be upside down. So then you'll just want the other side. You can just turn it. There you go. Um, yeah, I remember at like someone's 15th birthday or something, them just being like, don't stray. The world will scare Like, the world will eat you alive. The world will destroy you. Like, don't you yeah. stray from the path. And there's a part of me that gets that. But there's this other part of me that really resents people who tell young people to be afraid of the world and of life instead of telling them to conquer the world and conquer life. I think it's a better message to tell young people to conquer the world. Can I, can I challenge a previous thought that you had with what you just said? Sure. If you adapted that mentality toward understanding things that you don't understand like gender roles do you feel like that's adaptable so the thing about it is it isn't that i don't understand the gender thing i understand it perfectly like i can i can articulate their you want you understand it perfectly yeah yeah i can definitely articulate their entire belief system and you don't like you 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 personally are not non-binary oh oh so you mean you mean like what i mean is i could describe what they believe you can rationalize no i mean i could i could describe it in a way that they would agree with that if I, i said this is what you think of gender this is what you think of of sex this is what you think of this whole subject i could describe it and they would be like yes you've articulately you've accurately expressed the way that I see things. So I'm not, I'm not denying them an understanding of what they theorize about the world because I do understand what they are claiming to be true. All I'm saying is that, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it isn't consistent with what I think is true. And therefore I can't participate in, in what, in their speech. Um, but I would argue, I do understand it. I just can't, grant it to them and it, it would be uh, again if I uh, like um, I could give you all sorts of analogies but one would be one basic one would just be if in the presence of somebody whose belief systems you just really were in total opposition to like say I mean hell say that we were talking about some kind of 
really intense Christian, and in their presence, they wanted you to refer to yourself as a um, a sinner saved by grace instead of by your name or something or by or by man instead of calling yourself man, you should call yourself identity this or or instead of that, let's not confuse it. They want you to call them a sinner saved by grace instead of a uh, instead of a, a woman or some other generic category of person. You could agree to that, and it wouldn't ruin your day or whatever, but with your language, you would be representing and embodying their belief system about what they are. Um, I just I just can't do that with my language for some reason. It's just like the one thing I can't do is is uh, let somebody else choose how I talk. Hmm. We could flip it back into religion as well, in the same sense that um, being spoken to by religions that you don't agree with or understand, and you're being told that this is the correct thing, mm. this is they they themselves feel that this is correct because of X Y Z rationalization any kind of literature that, that what, who, whomever would think Islam, Christianity, Judaism, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, these people feel particularly correct in the way that they feel. And I think that facing these things that you don't understand as a question makes it far easier on yourself to process it, right? So instead of combating it, this is something I've painstakingly tried to adapt, and I'm not correct. I'm not, I'm not correct in this. It's just something that I've found that makes me feel better about living in life. Yeah. That I'd much rather ask it as a question than oppose myself to someone else of something that I just don't know. So like I, I I mean my opinion is that like Taoism is cool. I like that. I think that I resonate a lot with that mentality. I do not practice. I think that compassion is great no matter what. And it's easy and it feels right. So showing compassion to to anyone and letting go of the fact that I I don't have to dictate what is right or wrong. Because who the fuck am I to, to dictate anything? You know, the more I grip onto something, the harder shit gets. Mm-hmm. That's only one of the only real things in life that I've ever understood. No matter if I'm right or wrong or feel justified or not. I'd just much rather not have to deal with as much stress. Look, man, I mean, I think I think where you're coming from is legit. I'm not trying to say you're wrong in any way. Uh, and, and I hope that my explanations wouldn't suggest so, which I don't think that that's what you're saying in no, any way. Not at all. But I think what I could keep offering things. I mean, I'll say one more thing on it, which is just. Again, going back to a statement about ideology. 
I learned after 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 losing a Christian identity, I realized how many things I said that I said just in an argument, just to like just to maintain my idea of truth. And then after I was no longer of the liberal identity, I noticed the same thing. I remembered having all sorts of... I I had memories of saying things, moments when I said things, that I was like, I said that that time, and that just wasn't true. Mm. And... Like through conviction or some kind of... Like, like... Oh, God. One of them I could not... Some of them I cannot say again, but I remember... um, I remember after the 2016 election saying a lot of things among other liberals that was just what I still hear people doing, like kind of posturing their liberalism to kind of be like, hey, we're all we're all liberals. Right. Like we all hate Trump. Right. Like we all fucking vibe on this. Right. Like and and I would just say things that weren't true or say things that were insane Mm -hmm. Um so at the heart of me anymore, after really after I lost liberalism, and when I kind of woke up to, I think what I'm what I'm trying to pursue as my own perspective, I uh, I'm very careful about what I say is true, and that also goes for if somebody else who seems to feel very strongly that what they have to say is true. Mm. I, I, I'm even more skeptical of letting them tell me what I should say is true. And whether it's a, an ideology that has to do with gender or if it was an ideology that had to do with, uh, with ethnicity, which also does happen as well, or about men or about, um, about like Christianity or about anything, when there's somebody who really is trying to project onto me what they want me to say, I'm very skeptical of that. And, and I, I just can't help it um, with with the gender stuff as well. It's like I, I, I want to be compassionate and understanding, but no one on this earth, as far as I'm concerned, gets to gets to um, gets to gets to really have more say about what I say than I do. And that's just like a rule I have. Uh, I mean, I understand. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Do you think that the history of how you were raised might have a dictation oh. of that rationale? Maybe, probably, you know, I mean, surely it must, but I also am heavily influenced by other, um, by like writers and speakers who, who I really learned a lot of this perspective from, cause I didn't used to think this way. So I really blame a lot of it on Christopher Hitchens and, and, um, Jordan Peterson and George Orwell and Alexander Solzhenitsyn, like people like that who are just like yeah, fuck those individualistic fuck those dudes. They're I know the worst. they're the worst. They piss everyone off. <laughs> Christopher Hitchens is one of my great heroes, and he, it's like he could, it's like no matter what the issue was, he had to disagree with everybody, and it was annoying as shit. But if I'll be damned if that motherfucker wasn't always right. <laughs> I, well, I was actually thinking a little closer to home. I was thinking about your father. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible, but because I know your father, I know, I know. 
and I know I know how he operates. I know, man. I don't know what the deal is with that. If if because I mean that was a, probably a hurdle because in my house it's probably easiest to agree with him than it was to like disagree. But the position I seem to be taking is, is well, yeah. So I guess what you're hearing and what I'm describing is a certain level of control I take over my own identity that I. I feel the need to like <clears throat> insist upon that could come from being yeah in an environment where somebody else's identity or whatever was bigger than mine for a time. It's an uncomfortable feeling to um I I don't I'm not trying to say that you're right or wrong. I'm just saying that dissecting those things, right? Um both of my parents have been married now for like 30 eight-ish years and for the for the longest time I I associated that them being married was a was like it it was like an accrual thing where Mm. the amount of time that they had spent together was how successful they were in their relationship right and now having in the middle of going through separation I I realized that that is not true it time does not quantify quote unquote good relationship. It's, it's attention and it's, it's compassion and, and how much you put into a relationship. And I think the same thing is true for, uh, what you believe in, you know, like I can discredit so many years of my life from when I was younger, the things that I knew because of the intensity that I, I, I just didn't have context. I didn't have any understanding when I was a kid. Yeah. So it's same with music too. You know, like I, when we were in it in the very beginning and you're, you know, you're kind of windswept with all of it. You're just in it and you're just creating and you, you don't understand what the world is like at 18 years old. Yeah. You just have a guitar and you have a lot of time and you're smart. Like something, I know I'm jumping, but a little bit ago, you, something I wanted to ask you is like, do you feel like you're a smart person? Uh, if I'm being honest, man, I go through, it, it's a hard back and forth with that. Cause I, I try really hard to be, yeah. Uh, I, that's probably a big insecurity of mine. Like I'm, I'm quick to say about myself that I have zero education and that I have, um, textbook education. Yeah. 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 Like I'm quick to think of myself as uneducated, but I, I probably think of myself as intelligent. Yeah. But, um, I would say I put effort into that. If I may, I would say that you're highly intellectual, highly Things, like I like guess. right no, no I'm not pumping you up I'm just saying that I I'd be curious to know a lot of the positions that you have how much of it is people not giving you what you needed when you needed it mm. versus your intelligence because it's so uh, an unhealthy mind in a spot can be toxic un unbearable. I, I have a brother who is in the throes of addiction and it is it's hard. It is so hard to witness and 
especially like the distance that's put between us is just terrible. Highly intelligent. He's an intelligent person with a, like a handicap. And a lot of how I feel like I was raised um, was a setback. Like I, I feel like I was set back by not being equipped mm. with certain things. And I'm it, even as something as simple as what I was just saying, like how many times do you remember being told that you were intelligent? Right. Not like hardly not enough. Any. Yeah. Not enough because I know who your father is. Yeah. And I doubt he said that. Yeah. The people that mean it, the people that need it, that is doing it to a young man and saying that I'm only saying this because I also am in the same boat, you know, like my father doesn't say two words to me and I'm sure he means well and he wants to, you know, he thinks he's done fine, but at the same time, it's just all these things came into perspective when I started having kids and questions that are uncomfortable, but at the same time, you're just like, man, what's the point? If I can say I love someone or I can see optimistically in someone else and that gives them hope or love or whatever, or if I can call them an acronym that I have or a, a pronoun that I have no idea about and it brings them joy What's the harm in that, man? There's no, there's no point. Do you think a lot has changed for you since, um, cause I mean, you've talked about being in counseling for this or for that or whatever. Um, has a lot changed for you through that process? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been through personal therapy now for several years. Uh, and through separation I've also been through couples counseling for about a year and it's a lot of it is is uncomfortable and I understand that there's a like a playbook that people have that they use to manipulate or steer situations in a particular area but what I can say is introspection. They are pro- trying to provoke something inside of yourself to to change the circumstance, and none of it is a none of it is a a cookie cutter way to get you to feel any particular way. I kind of bucked at that at first because I I also consider myself intellectual, right? It took me a long time to say that out loud. Uh, because I hated myself for a long time. Mm. But being an intellectual, you see things in particular ways, and you see patterns. You know, you kind of dissect things easily. You game systems easily. Religions, po- politics, any anything. You know, re- relationships. <laughs> You're able to see things that most people can't. And through therapy I tried to game therapy at first and that didn't work that did nothing for Mm -hmm. me how'd you how'd you try to game it I I mean I can I can mime you know I can I can understand things do you mean you pretended to be open or 
Did you say insincere things or what I, do you what do you mean? I mean when I was prompted with something I could articulate something, but truly believing it. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a different whole other conversation. Gotcha. Yeah. Like I feel vulnerable being around you. Mm. And I mean that in a, in a, like a very sincere way and in a, in a positive way. But I also, I talk to hundreds of people a day Yeah. and I can put the face on and no one would know. Yeah. I had, a, I had a woman yesterday ask me like, Oh, how's your wife doing? And <laughs> she's so good. Oh my God. And you just turned three years old <laughs> and I, God, man, I, isn't it just great to be alive? And no one would know. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then I could just like cut it. If, if it's someone I trusted, I'm like, not great. I had a panic attack two days ago. Hmm. And, you know, that's just life. You don't know what people are going through in any particular moment. And, but what I can control is my interaction. And sometimes it's better to do that with, with, the outside world because of the sheer amount of people that I have to deal with on a daily basis Yeah, where I can, okay, this person probably shouldn't know this or for me anyway, like I see this person once a week. It's easier to just tell them that yes, we're family's doing fine. Man, I wish I had that more. It's practice. Maybe I used to have a little, in customer service, but I don't think I ever had it that good. And like I've been doing this, um, one of the big things is when people do things like they smile, some people can really genuinely put on a really happy face. <laughs> and I, I can't, not on purpose, not on, like, are you doing it right now? <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. I can't even do that shit. Like this is, I'm going to have a genuine reaction, but I'm like, when I have to do, um, I have to do a business pitch here soon. And they were coaching me in it. And they were like, smile. You're happy about what you're saying. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) my face won't do it if you tell me to do it. I I can't fake how I feel about any moment, it feels like, sometimes. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, I could absolutely fake it. And no one would ever know. Jesus Christ. And I used to, I used to think that it took away from me, but I just, I choose to share what I, what I want with particular people. Do you think of yourself as like an introvert or an extrovert? Extrovert. Really? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. It's, it's what took me a long time to, to dissect in that was what extrovert doesn't mean you just shotgun all of your emotion to everyone. Extrovert means you choose carefully who you let in fully because I got burnt really hard by shotgunning all of my feelings to everyone. Right. And it's exhausting no matter who you are, whether you enjoy people, but like if a stranger walked up to me, I don't know. You could just say, say random, say, say something completely off the wall to me. Hey man, nice shoes. Oh, <laughs> these shoes. I actually got them in South Carolina. Um, I was down there with a friend of mine. They live um, right off of uh, like North side of, uh, Charleston is, yeah, they own a coffee shop. It's great. That interaction takes nothing from me to do. Right. Mm. And that's true. 
but all everything what I just said was true. But it was vapid, right? Yeah. It was surface level. It was very like yeah, it didn't take anything from me. Huh. It took me years to understand that. Years of constantly telling too much to too many people. Interesting. And eventually I just burnt myself out on it. But over time I realized, oh, I could just like let them in a little bit. I can share what I want. And it's always off the cuff now for me. It's always something that I could just tap into. Interesting. So how do you define, I guess, introvert by that, by that comparison? What is an introvert in comparison? I, I would say an introvert is someone who gets energy from themselves or, or internally. Um, and it, so I get energy externally. I, I receive energy from meaningful conversations um, from other people coming mm-hmm. into me. And I think, especially from being married to a hyper introvert, I realized that we are polar opposites and she needs to recharge. So whenever, whenever information is coming into, into my previous partner, um, what I noticed from it was the, it would take away from her. Mm-hmm. She had, and, and she was great at it. It is great at it. She, she, she can do it just as good as I could, if not better. But the difference was, is it fills me up to do it healthily. It takes away from her to do it. And so her recharge was from, um, herself being introverted, being, being the ability to have downtime enough to recharge doing stuff that what she, she preferred had nothing to do with being social. It's just what recharges you. What do you think is your, um, the number, like your obstacle that you carry with you that you wish that you could just fucking erase? Like what that you, do you have like a number one thing that you're bad that you fight with? I was torn between two things when you said that. Um, I think depression is one of them. And I think um, self-hatred is another one. Mm. Which kind, they probably feed each other in a large way. What have you learned about self-hatred? Like, like... Is that something you can talk about? Yeah, totally. Um, that's hard words right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd I'd be interested to 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 start a uh, a question for you in this regard. It's, sure, it's a leading question, but on a scale of one to ten, what would you rank yourself? Uh, and it doesn't have to be physical or emotional. It's just like on a grand scale as a human. Grand scale as a human is, and 10 is good. 10, ten, ten, ten is, is like good. ideal. Yeah, 10 is ideal. One is nothing. Uh, shit, man. I mean, grand scale. Grand scale. If I can think of 10 things that I would have changed about myself, I'd probably fall somewhere between like, I, I might, I'd be between like six and eight. Something like that. Yeah. You know, like not, not shitty. I'm like a pretty comfortable with myself. Some above, above five. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, a, a, a lot of times I see myself as like a five or a six. Okay. And I'd be curious because what would you rank me as? Damn, that's a wild question. I, uh, this is silly. This is going to sound really superficial, but like, okay. So when you asked me these questions mm-hmm. about myself, what I thought about was some of my physical shortcomings that I would change about myself. Mm-hmm. You have those things <laughs> in my view. So I would like probably rank you. I would say comfortably, uh, shit, you know, I would probably comfortably say like between a seven and eight, something like that. So higher than what I rank myself. Yeah. I would argue that most people feel that way. Most people view themselves harder than what other people see them as. And I, it's easy. That's an easy stretch, right? Like we, we see ourselves, we, we know ourselves better than anyone and we, we have to live with ourselves. We know all of our in, own insecurities. Um, huh. All of my life, and this is, I swear to God, I'm not trying to sound vapid or, uh, yeah, I don't like myself, you know, in a lot of ways. I've been told a lot all of my life I'm an attractive individual. I have great hair. Mm-hmm. I have beautiful eyes. I have long eyelashes. I have confidence, right? All these things. People tell me all these things. That does nothing when it comes in the regards of depression. Mm. That does nothing when it comes to not having self-worth or having people, mentors in your life to like uplift you in any kind of way. If you're on your own and you, you have to figure shit out on your own, you're a broken individual. And there are lots of things that you can fill that gap with, with all kinds of bullshit. Mm. And so in a, in a large form, self-worth is all that matters. And sure, I put myself together. I put clothes on, I shower, you know, like I do my hair and because it's my, you know, it's my function that I've learned to do. Yeah. But at the same time, if you don't have self-worth and this is something I'm actively working on every single day, what the fuck are you doing in this life? That's why I love people that own themselves that are quote unquote ugly, you know, like people that are just, they have no remorse. They're like, fuck it. I'm living my life. I was like, I, I love that so much Mm. because I, I envy it. I envy the fact that you can just not care what people think about you or what you, what, what you think about yourself. And it's like, God, that's a superpower. Yeah. That is such a superpower to be able to do that with and and believe it. Yeah. Ah. Oh. Yeah, man. Trauma. Trauma is a weird thing. And if you don't, if you don't face it head on and run toward it to try to fix it, it just consumes you. And I'm still undoing things that I have felt for a number of years. Yeah. I suppose I am too, to some degree. I mean, we probably all are, you know. Uh, I'm sure there's well-adjusted people, but like... No, there's not. I don't know any of them. No, no, there's not. We're all fucked. 
<laughs> Fucking A. Uh, but what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> is there ever a person that thinks they're a 10? Sure, there's something wrong with those people, too. I kind of think, yeah, if you think you're a 10, you prob- that, you're probably more fucked up. Yeah. Then somebody would say, oh, I'm like definitely like a four or five. Yeah. But if you're an uggo and you think you're a 10, you're great. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I also love the phrase uggo a lot. Uggo is good. Logo my uggo. <laughs> hey, man, logo my uggo. Another thing, too, if, like, if, someone, if someone is a quote unquote uggo, no one's, I mean, fuck, I'm. I hate myself, so I'm not going to hate on anyone else. But if you believe that you're a 10, God, I love it. It makes me, it lights me up. It is way different than somebody being uh, like real hot or something and being like, I'm a 10. No. Have you ever been around um, many autistic people in your life? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, so not, I wouldn't say many, but... We had an employee at Aperture who was mm. autistic and deaf, and uh, and that was cool. Something I really envy about the autistic world is the their lack of concern for what people think. Mm. Their ability to just—it's just not on their radar. Yeah, she did have some of that, but at the same time, she was the most. Um, she was the most. She took the job more seriously than anyone. So I guess like she cared about something, but also, yeah, she didn't have that same, the same filters that people have. Oh, what are they thinking of me? Oh, am I, am I, are my clothes acceptable? Right. Is my, is my hair the right way? Am I X, Y, and Z enough? You know? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Not on their radar. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) I fucking love that. (laughs) Yeah, we were doing a a sales campaign of some kind and I just I saw her interact with the customer in a way that was like really belaboring the 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 sales pitch or something like the customer was really trying to walk away and she just kind of kept doing her thing like we're doing this and blah, blah blah and after after the customer walked away I was like so just a thought, like maybe you could shorten it down a little. And she kind of had questions about that. Like, like this is, I said everything I was supposed to say, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's fine. You're doing fine. But maybe you could try, like it looked like she was trying to walk away. Maybe you could try shortening it down. And like a week later, she just walked up to me and was like, uh, I tried what you said and it just didn't seem to work as well as what I was doing. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, thank you. For telling me and like, yeah, do do just do your thing. Follow your instincts, and she, and uh, oh, she's she's loving her own life. Yeah, man. Like I, I nobody else would have taken that note that seriously, and nobody would have like <laughs> come to the manager and been like, I think you were wrong, but she did, and I was like, that's fucking hilarious <laughs> and also uh, cool. And and like, how fascinating is that about the human brain? That like, there's no, there was no malice, and probably right. what that person was saying. right. None at all. Yeah, it was just, this is what I feel is a fact. Yeah. Here's the information I'm giving you. Yep, straight facts. Oh, God. Yeah. Could you imagine feeling that in in nearly everything that you do? Dude, when I watch, um, 
so when I've been trying to get ready for these business pitches, I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank shit. Yeah. And like some people have that. Like people who are just fucking business oriented. Yeah. I don't know how you do that. I think I do. Yeah? Yeah. You think you have it? No, well. That you can do it? Oh, sure. Yeah, through bravado. Um, but I, I think there's. I th- I. No one has anything. Mm. Like, if 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 you're in a place of power, it's either through consistency and fucking up consistently, right? Or um, it's through um, <laughs> neurodivergence. <laughs> <laughs> You don't think the same way that most people think. Yeah. And that could be a superpower, you know, it's like autism. Right. Like what we're talking about, uh, or being on the spectrum, you, some people can shut that part of their brain off. Mm. And I think to most people, the, the other part is, um, being able to, go through suffering and learn from your mistakes because in, in most business circumstances, like you, you apply your, your emotions to them. Every, I mean, nearly we're human. Like most, all of them require your emotion. Right. Mm-hmm. And lots of things that you and I have talked about tonight have made me emotional. I have felt emotion from what you said. And it's only through going through them that you're able to check them or choose to feel them, right? Right. But you have to feel them to understand them. Mm. So when we were kids, we were much louder about them. (laughs) Much much louder about love. Yeah. Much louder about uh, arguments. Right. Or disagreements. And over time, those things fade. And you have a choice to either continue to feel them or not feel them. And, um, yeah, man, it's, yeah, the only way to get good at suffering is to suffer. Mm. Are you going to um, start doing music shit again? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it took me to get uh, into the right headspace to be there. Uh, but I've finally think i'm there it took <laughs> took too long hell yeah i've i've been I, th- I think a large part of his practice which is something that i never really practiced sitting down at something and just doing it no matter what it is like writing or playing an instrument or exercising like those are things that innately if you do them over periods of time you get better at them yeah I never subscribed to that early on in my life or in, in my musicianship. Mm. Um, but it is, it is true. If you just sit there with, with something that you like or something that you're decent at and continue to do it, no matter what, you will be more successful at it if you do it. Yeah. And I've been trying that and that's been working. Uh, also just mindfulness, just being aware, having it like a, like a, a mentality that this is something I want. Anything. Like, I want to have a successful relationship. This is my, like, one of my personal goals. 
And I think that if I think about that long enough, that will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Practice makes perfect. Definitely, man. I mean, these things are disciplines. These things are crafts. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think, I think especially when we were younger too, there's, there's a question sometimes of like how much discipline belongs in something that's so fun. It's like, what happens if you make it discipline? Like, is it less fun? And there might be some truth to that. You know, fun is a kind of a weird word. We're not going to have pizza at every meal. Exactly. You're not going to have pizza at every meal. (laughs) Even though you want it. Yeah. (laughs) If you do that, I mean, not only is it whatever, um, there are practical implications to that, but it makes the experience less exciting or something. For sure. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Fun. Fun is a weird thing. Fun is indulgent. Fun is like surprising. Fun is like whatever. But it depends on what you want, I guess. But for me, it was like I wanted wanted to succeed at at music. And success. Oh, we're on a good topic. I like, like this. Like fun is... It's, it's, you can, you can enjoy music and succeed, but not everything you need to succeed in music is going to be fun. And I think that was something that I've, yeah. I too have struggled with, like, uh, really grasping fully. Yeah. Redefining success is huge mm. in life. Um, and maybe it's because of our age. I don't know. We're, we're fairly close in age. Yeah. But, uh, from a younger age, success seemed to be a little more shallow and now success is the the act of trying for mm-hmm. me that's something i'm actively trying to do yeah is appreciate the trying um i'm not i'm not good at that at all but at the same time it's it's rewarding man like reframing thoughts to that way is is so much more life-giving so I'd much rather try. Dude, that's uh spot on. That's spot on. I mean you think of you think of like the practice of Buddhist monks or something compared to I don't know, our our juvenile version of success of just being like there's a status you reach where everyone thinks you're awesome. Uh it is the practice. It's the practice of gardening, it's the practice of mm-hmm. of of weeding it's the practice of like harvesting it's the practice of praying and meditating and all these things that is where peace is it's the it's like the process of these things and i was just listening to something this week about one of the most fucked up things about things like these things and social media and porn and all all sorts of things that we do now um the way that they produce dopamine Mm. they are that we use them as like rewards post the process or something or outside of the process and a trick people are trying to like relearn now is how to produce dopamine by telling yourself in the process of something like when you sit down to write songs remind yourself in your mind i enjoy the fuck out of this like this is what Mm. i'm doing this for this moment sitting with this pen and paper thinking this is the process and this is why i do it and i love it like trying to get your mind to associate that as the reward instead of like the being done with it. Yeah. God, that's powerful. (sighs) 
masturbation just came to my mind. I know this is a left turn. <laughs> hey, man. But um, it's something true. Like uh, being, you know, men, we, it's, if I can overgeneralize for you. Oh, you can. Because I know you. Um, <laughs> you and I haven't had great fatherly role models. Yeah. And I never had someone to feel comfortable with as a, like from, from a young man to a, to a, like an average, how old I am. Fuck. What what is average anymore? Um, you know, to an adult that I could even ask questions about this stuff, you know, it's even, it's kind of taboo to even talk about masturbation in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What's healthy, what's unhealthy. And so what we're left with is our own devices. We divide, we like, we decide what that even looks like. Yeah. So if you don't have a role model and you don't have anyone to guide you in that, like, Ooh, that's too much. That's not enough. You're just left to your own devices. Right. And so naturally as men being the physical beings that we are and the creatures that we are, chances are we're going to do it too much. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Chances are. I've heard stories about that. (laughs) Yeah. You might go blind, (laughs) which is a misnomer kids. That's not true. You say it, but you're wearing glasses and I got contact. (laughs) (laughs) We, we had both masturbated too much (laughs) at one point or another. Oh shit! <laughs> you know it's fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I love this episode because we're talking about real shit, man, and I love that. Um, yeah, man. No, but you're right. We also are part of a generation that ended up having a way different access to porn yes. than any other yes. people ever have before. Yeah. When I was when I was ten years old, it took twenty minutes to download an image. Yeah. And I jerked it to that image. <laughs> <laughs> and it was hot. Yeah. Kids these days, they got VR porn. Yeah, dude. It's, I mean, that's a real thing. That's a real fucking thing. That's too much. That's too much. I mean, just imagine the, the mentality, like what that takes from your brain. You're fully encompassing 3D, almost living in the porn. Yeah. What that desensitizes you to. Yep. And if, especially if you do it enough, like you are essentially discrediting any kind of physical intimacy and any kind of contact, what that would even mean. Yeah. That same dude, I can't remember his name. Um, maybe I'll send you a link at some point, but that same dude, he's pretty much a neuro, he's just a neuroscience that a neuroscientist that, um, is studying these things. And it's because of people like him that, I mean, tell you the truth. Um, I don't go around promoting this or bragging about it but i'm like pretty much anti-porn and anti-masturbation at this point in my life uh i think these things are like bad for your brain and uh these people who are doing research on this have convinced me of that Mm -hmm. um and yeah he he this guy i don't know his name but he claims it, it the idea seems to just be exactly what we think like we uh in that world for some reason like kind of when it's on demand like that we have to raise the stakes constantly to the point where, yeah, like there's, there's tons of stories that we're both aware of, of people 
being unable to experience real human intimacy because they get so addicted to For sure. that type of dopamine uh, production system or For whatever. Sure. And that's not fucking anything I want to be a part of, you know? And it's easy. It's so easy to do. Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, I was I was in a marriage for 13 years. Or I was in a relationship for 13 years. I was in a marriage for nine. Mm-hmm. But um, when you, if you ever get to the point where you are relying on masturbation as your main, you know, point of, like, uh, physical contact and you go try to go to sex and try to relate the two, that's not the same interaction, mm-hmm. right? So like as a man, when you go to do that, it's not going to be the same. Mm. And so naturally it's not going to feel the same. It's not going to end up the same. Like it's just something that I don't think boys are being told. Yeah. I was not told that. Yeah, man. And I think like... I had to learn that painstakingly. Yeah, I think uh, the old religious methods were just like, don't do that, you know? And cool. Like, yeah, that's such <laughs> that not, worked. not a helpful <laughs> message. Uh, you probably... I mean, did you ever hear about the whole Kellogg's theory about like the, the propaganda? Does this have something to do with like having sex with cereal? No, um, I don't know what Kellogg's had to do with it, but it's that guy associated with the Kellogg's brand. Um, I guess part of it being the argument was something to do with like um, circumcision reduced pleasure for men or something like okay. that. Like okay. this was an I've, I've heard the argument. Here this was an idea that was put forward that was hoping to reduce this action among among young boys or whatever i'm not fucking sure but the point uh, point being like people have been so uncomfortable with this this subject for so long that yeah like they'd rather just say some basic ass shit and tell you not to do not to do it or or you're fucking go blind or you're whatever instead of uh instead of have a real conversation about it i would uh, as you say this the one thing that pops into my mind is like female mutilation as well uh-huh. because when we talk about circumcision it's it's far less stigmatized us being men right and, you know it's just a thing that people do but there are also like uh, mutilations of women yep. that remove the clitoris yeah and it's like i don't know anything about that <laughs> anything yeah. at all but it, it just feels uncomfortable yeah i can't hardly think of it right right but it's weird to me that we can think of male mutilation and Easily. not really think about because it. Because it's like socially accepted. Yeah. Have you ever seen the red pill? Uh, on the Matrix? Yeah, I have. The, the, uh, it's a documentary about <laughs> no. like feminism and men's rights activists or whatever. Uh, this, this woman who was a feminist sort of activist, she made a documentary about men's rights activists and it, it changed a lot of how she saw shit. Okay. Part of one I have of the, not seen this. One of the big moments in that film was about exactly that, and it's like footage from one of these things, and uh, from from a from a circumcision, and of a, of a youth, I'm assuming of a baby, yeah. yeah. And uh, man, it'll it'll make you it'll make your it'll make you wonder if you think it's a good idea. I'll tell you that much. I'm not so sure that it is a good idea. Yeah, I mean, like, we'll, we'll, it's it's rooted in religion. Yeah, 
um, it, somewhere down the line there was like a societal norm of this is what was acceptable and then it continued to carry on and now it's still socially acceptable to do it and now people have removed even, even people that don't believe the religion anymore or it doesn't translate into day to day so like what's the point what <laughs> this is true but then one time <laughs> oh give me something juicy one time Louis <laughs> this one is time really good on Lou, I was listening to Louis C.K. talk about something careful <laughs> <laughs> Careful. <laughs> he he said that he was his dad had to take him into a bathroom and he saw his dad's dick. Hell yeah. And he called it he's he was talking about how his dad wasn't circumcised and he said his dad's dick was like an alligator claw. <laughs> <laughs> and I One of our, <laughs> one of our, one of our mutual friends. Oh God! And I used to talk about this because there's there's another side to it. I totally, I think it's. I mean, there's been there's been babies, <laughs> there's going. been young boy babies who have had their like lungs collapse from from screaming from the pain of these procedures. Damn, uh, I did not know that. There's like serious. There can be permanent damage done to their lungs from from the pain that it can cause. However, then there's this other side that's like, you deal with this thing that in this society, uh, we consider this natural condition of this particular body mm-hmm. part to be like ugly compared to the other. What yeah. What do we do with that? If I had a son, what would I want him to experience in life? Like, would he yeah. get pissed at me if he was 20 and he was like, what the fuck, man? I got an alligator claw. <laughs> high and tight. <laughs> I said high and tight. <laughs> Why do you have to be an alligator? It's just so vivid. Oh, God. I'm going to look up alligator claw right now. <laughs> Careful. The internet is real. Careful. <laughs> Careful. I, I don't know what the answer is, man. I, I um... <laughs> <laughs> Add to cart. <laughs> you can see it. That's... Oh, my that's God. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, so I'm questioning all kinds of social norms, you know? Yeah, I get it. Because it doesn't hurt anything to ask questions on it. No, it's good to ask questions. It's good to ask questions. Um, there's, there's this, there's this, again, there's another side to it where there's like, Part of the reason for social norms is that it keeps people functioning, you know. Um, I mean, like, not allowing murder is a social norm. It is a good one, you know. That's fair, yeah. There's there's limits, and I think what people seem to be experimenting with is what are those limits. And more power to them, man. Like, we have to explore social norms. The, The... 
I just see sometimes that people think that, oh, well, if it's a social norm, I'm going to just go the opposite. I'm going to like live this alternative to the norm uh, lifestyle. But like mm. not every norm is bad. You know, a lot of these social norms are like super useful and actually usually over time, if they stay useful, then there's probably there's reasons for that, you know, um, but some of them are absolutely oppressive and unnecessary, too. So it's always a fight. Kind of to harp back on what we were talking about earlier, I think you just made me think of this. Um, I'm I'm extremely practicing how to question. Mm and make things curious, right? Right. Reframing the idea that something is curious. And this is absolutely something I've picked up from therapy. So not an original thought at all, but nothing is. So it doesn't matter. Um, Being comfortable enough to be curious, right? Uh, Having a child has, has really made me really respect that because kids are innately curious they Mm. have no context for anything but as adults it almost means more because we know things we've learned things that are good or bad quote unquote and you get to redefine them and so oftentimes the bad stuff is very hard to you know rewire but asking it as a question versus combatant is it's just way less stressful it's less on on the person thinking it and I think ultimately that that leads to better decisions that's just my opinion Hmm. like is a is abortion a good thing I mean I don't know uh that depends on what party you're talking about. Yeah. That like that's where my mind goes first. It's not yes, definitively this is the thing. Yeah. Women's rights, men's rights. Maybe. Right. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That's a it's a hard it's a hard question to a- answer. I just find that whenever I ask a question to a hard problem versus saying that something is right or wrong, yeah. it makes me feel better. hundred percent. And that, that works for me. So that's really all I can operate on. Yeah. I, uh, I fuck with that. Um, I, I guess we're probably out of time. Yeah. Um, is that camera should run out soon. I'm surprised it hasn't yet. It's like, uh, there's like, how Pat, this is like how uh, Hanukkah came about. It just keeps going, even though <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're both converting to Judaism as the conversation goes I'm, on. You know, maybe. But then again, circumcision, <laughs> we're all fucked up. I don't know. But anyway. Um, you want to get a circumcision later? We'll see. <laughs> I guess uh, a double circumcision? Yeah. I, 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 I already had one. So. Circumcision. Yeah, I don't know what you'd call that, but there's got to be a cool name for it. Um, said I got one on the way. This is circumcision. <laughs> when I'm gone, and I don't know what to do. I guess I gotta keep on keep cutting my. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, mm. uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Um, Me too, man. 
we'll do it more. Like, yeah, we'll do it more. Yeah. We right. talked about some big shit on here, so. You know? Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. Well, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, I guess we should both get some sleep so we can do work tomorrow. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Well, hey, I love you. I love you too, man. All right.